Thursday evening, I was looking up at the sky with a friend of mine. We had very clear skies on Thursday. And for whatever reason, I was particularly drawn into the beauty of the moon. And the moon, I think it was probably about two-thirds full. And it was very, very bright. And there was no clouds in the sky to obscure it. And the moonlight was powerful to the point where everything that I was looking at had a moonlight glow to it. Even just being two-thirds full. And it was just beautiful. And I was considering to myself the fact that the, the moon is really not much. The moon is, is kind of just an ugly dust ball. Really, that is what the moon is, right? The moon has a bunch of craters. Um, it's, not, it's not beautiful in the way that the earth is beautiful. And it's, it's very dry and desolate. And it's really nothing by itself. But all that brightness and all of it, all of its illum, all its illuminated glory comes from the sun. And the sun transforms the moon into this beautiful, beautiful object of illumination. In the same way, the Holy Spirit animates us. We remember in the first book of the Bible, Genesis, there's this beautiful image of man's creation and the creation of Adam and Eve. And we hear in the account that the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground. Nothing. But then, God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. breath of God began to anim animate Adam and give him life. There's this beautiful image that Ezekiel gives us where he himself is given a vision. And this is, this is being, a, this is a vision prof uh, of a prophecy of the future and what things will look like in the future for the people of Israel, but also looking to Christ. And there's this image of Ezekiel that God leads Ezekiel to this vast plain. You might think the plains of Iowa or something where you just kind of see forever when you drive through. And in this vision, there are nothing but dry, old bones, human bones, everywhere. As far as the eye can see, just dead, dry bones. And God says to Ezekiel, You see these bones? 
I'm going to bring them to life. And then Ezekiel sees in this vision these bones coming together, forming connections, becoming full bodies of bones, and then flesh coming upon the bones. And then finally, God breathes with his own spirit over these dead corpses and they come alive. Thus says the Lord God, O my people, I will open your graves and have you rise from them. Then you will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and have you rise from them. I will put my own spirit within you, my spirit. I have promised it, and I will do it, says the Lord. What happened at Pentecost is humanity was created again. And just like God, in his first creation of humanity, breathed into Adam. And we might think of this as Adam becoming distinct in God's creation from all the other animals. Because there's something very beautiful that happens about 70,000 years ago in human history, where all of a sudden we started to be a lot different than all the other animals. And we started to create art. And we started to travel around the globe. And we started to speak intelligence, free will. And now a second creation. As God again breathed on the early church when they were in the upper room waiting and praying in fear. Scared out of their minds as they should have been. And just like that, they emerge from the upper room after the Spirit descends upon them and they speak boldly. And they, they speak the name of Jesus with joy. There's a contrast between living in the Spirit, which all of us were given at baptism, and living outside of the state of grace. And I have to imagine probably most of us here have felt the difference. Paul describes it. Paul said, The works of the flesh are obvious. Immorality, impurity, lust, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, rivalry, jealousy, outbursts of fury, acts of selfishness, dissensions among people, factions, envy, drunkenness and drinking bouts, 
orgies, and the like. People, as I warned you before, who commit such acts will not inherit the kingdom of God. As I hear that list, I kind of think about college. In contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, speaking of college, I remember just in my own experience, I feel like I can resonate so closely with St. Paul here and what he's saying. Remember my college years, the way I lived life, the fruits of living life according to the ways of the flesh and the world, the fruits of that are you become sad and depressed. You become anxious and isolated from others, less capable of having authentic human relationships, self-enclosed and self-absorbed. Contempt, contemptuous of others. Jealous and envious. Now fast forwarding in my own life, I remember feeling all those things. Not living in the spirit that God had given me. And then I fast forward and I remember my first six months in seminary as I was reflecting on them. I had never really been a part of a Christian community up until that point. I was never really involved in the parish growing up. I kind of got really into my faith in college, halfway through college, and wasn't particularly attached to a parish. Just kind of went around, went to Mass, came out. When I started to develop relationships with people in the church, with other Christians in the body of Christ, it was completely and utterly life-changing. I started to experience reality in a completely different way. And it was like people that I had just gotten to know over the course of a couple months, I felt closer with than people I had known my entire lives. The reason for that is because we, we shared the same exact spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit bonds us in unity with God's own Spirit. This is the same Spirit that Jesus has. Jesus says to us in the Gospel, if you want to have running waters where people can drink from your presence and just being in relationship with you, I can give you that. We all know what it's like to be in the presence of people who are dead inside. Who are dead in the spirit. 
depressing, toxic very often, completely self-absorbed. The only way they know how to relate with others is by using them. And we all know what it's like to be with people who are actually alive. Those who have God's spirit within them. We want to be around them all the time. Because we're thirsty for the waters that Jesus is speaking about. The way we stay and we live in the spirit is the same way that the 12 12 apostles the Blessed Virgin Mary, and all the other disciples who were in the upper room dead. We pray and we ask for God to send His Spirit in us. They prayed and fasted for nine days. That's where we get the term novena, the practice of a novena from, in the time between the Ascension and the Pentecost. They prayed and they prayed and they prayed, and they disposed themselves to receive God God is not magic, but we pray and we try, we practice virtue, and we dispose ourselves and God freely gives us a portion of his own spirit. And then our own affections start to change. And we start to have a contempt for the things of this world. They don't satisfy us in the way that they used to. And we build an affection for the things that St. Paul talks about and a distaste for the the ways of living in the flesh. It really brings us alive. And this is really, I think, what everyone in our world and our culture today is more thirsty for than ever. Is to receive these living waters. We have a happiness problem. I talk about that a lot. People are thirsty. Jesus, we ask you to make us sources of living water. Help us to enjoy the fruits of your Spirit. Do not allow us to fall into the allurements of the passing things of this world, of the flesh, the enticements of the enemy, the things that take us out of living in the Spirit, in a state of grace, where we're able to freely receive and freely give. Help our affections to be towards the things of God and not the things of the flesh. Bless our children, help them to not lose the spirit that you've given them through the allurements of this world. Give us courage, Lord, to be bold, but also gentle, as your disciples were on the Pentecost. We ask for a new Pentecost in the church, a new outpouring of your Holy Spirit upon all of us, particularly here at St. Michael's Parish. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, 
renew us. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And let us take a few moments in silent prayer to listen to and speak with the Lord and his Holy Spirit, which is in our spirit. <clears throat> 